footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales, dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to your nightmares, where we'd like to keep it dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. How is everyone doing out there? I had a rough week uh, going through some personal things this year has sucked for so many people in the relationship department including myself so if you're feeling that right now just know that you aren't alone and I'm in that crappy little place with you also after I said we were set for the winter last episode my MacBook updated and Surprise, my laptop is too old for the new GarageBand update. And now I can barely even get that app to open. It was actually a work of magic tonight that it opened for me so I could put this episode out there. So um, moving forward, I'm going to have to figure that out. So what a week. So we will be finishing up with part three of the yellow wallpaper. If you're just tuning in, I suggest to go back to episode 54 where we begin our tale. And there's one more thing before we start our tale today that I felt very guided to say. I understand that I'm narrating horror and that this is a horror podcast. One of the things that draws me to the genre for me personally, is that it's through fear that we find our freedom. Facing our fears, horror, being guided through things that make our heart race brings freedom that nothing else can. Um, Think of the way that you feel if you've been through a haunted house and it's scary and you race along and sometimes you just keep your eyes closed through the whole thing. But once you make it to the very end, there is like that feeling of elation, like... I made it, yay, and you feel like fantastic and then you want to go do it again. There's a feeling of being free once you face your fears and you get through the fear. And once we find freedom on the inside, that will in turn change your world to being free on the outside. If you're here today, it's because you're ready to be free. Or perhaps you're feeling free already and you're just attracted to that same frequency. Whatever it may be, this brief meeting of our minds, of our imaginations, is no mistake, and I acknowledge this with the greatest of respect and responsibility. I also feel guided to say that if at any point these stories feel too much or overwhelming, especially with what's going on in the world today, it's okay to pause and to go to something else perfectly fine and okay and I encourage you to do that Um, I'll be here when you get back the ending of this story especially for women might flare up a lot of different emotions or memories even so if this happens for you 
take your time to sit with these emotions or with the fear or whatever comes up in a safe place. Journal and just feel them and maybe write it out what it means to you and perhaps how you feel that applies in your world and what's going on in your situations. And perhaps you'll find a place where you are meant to set yourself free. Okay, wow, I felt that. I know there's at least a few of you or maybe just one person who that was meant for. So, okay, on to part three of the yellow wallpaper. And technology willing, I'll be back next week with a fresh story for you. Oh, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Whatever you decide to do, much love your way. And remember, there's nothing to be afraid of. Is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Life is very much more exciting now than it used to be. You see, I have something more to expect, to look forward to, to watch. I really do eat better and am more quiet than I was. John is so pleased to see me improve. He laughed a little the other day and said I seemed to be flourishing in spite of my wallpaper. I turned it off with a laugh. I had no intention of telling him it was because of the wallpaper. He would make fun of me. He might even want to take me away. I don't want to leave now until I have found it out. There is a week more, and I think that will be enough. I'm feeling ever so much better. I don't sleep much at night, for it is so interesting to watch developments. But I sleep a good deal in the daytime. In the daytime, it is tiresome and perplexing. There are always new shoots on the fungus and new shades of yellow all over it. I cannot keep count of them, though I have tried conscientiously. It is the strangest yellow, that wallpaper. It makes me think of all the yellow things I ever saw. Not beautiful ones like buttercups, but old, foul, bad, yellow things. But there is something else about that paper. The smell. I noticed it the moment we came into the room, but with so much air and sun, it was not bad. Now we have had a week of fog and rain, and whether the windows are open or not, the smell is here. It creeps all over the house. I find it hovering in the dining room, skulking in the parlor, hiding in the hall, lying in wait for me on the stairs. It gets into my hair. Even when I go to ride, if I turn my head suddenly and, surprise, there is that smell. Such a peculiar odor, too. I have spent 
hours in trying to analyze it to find what it smelled like. It is not bad at first and very gentle, but quite the subtlest, most enduring odor I have ever met. In this damp weather, it is awful. I wake up in the night and find it hanging over me. It used to disturb me at first. I thought seriously of burning the house to reach the smell, but now I'm used to it. The only thing I can think of is that it is like the color of the paper, a yellow smell. There is a very funny mark on this wall, low down, near the mop board, a streak that runs around the room. It goes behind every piece of furniture, except the bed. A long, straight, even smooch, as if it had been rubbed over and over. I wonder how it was done, and who did it? and what they did it for. Round and round and round and round, round and round, it makes me dizzy. I really have discovered something at last, through watching so much at night, when it changes so, I have finally found out. The front pattern does move. And no wonder, the woman behind it shakes it. Sometimes, I think there are a great many women behind it, and sometimes only one, and she crawls around fast, and her crawling shakes it all over. Then, in the very bright spots, she keeps still. And in the very shady spots, she takes hold of the bars and shakes them hard. And she is all the time trying to climb through. But nobody could climb through that pattern. It strangles so. I think that is why it has so many heads. They get through. And then the pattern strangles them off and turns them upside down and makes their eyes white. If those heads were covered or taken off, it would not be so half bad. I think that woman gets out in the daytime, and I'll tell you why. Privately, I've seen her. I can see her out of every one of my windows. It is the same woman, I know, for she is always creeping. And most women do not creep by daylight. I see her on that long shaded lane creeping up and down. I see her in those dark grape arbors creeping all around the garden. I see her on that long road under the trees creeping along. And when a carriage comes, she hides under the blackberry vines. I don't blame her a bit. It must be very humiliating to be caught creeping by daylight. I always lock the door when I creep by daylight. I can't do it at night, for I know John would suspect something at once. 
And John is so queer now that I don't want to irritate him. I wish he would take another room. Besides, I don't want anybody to get that woman out at night but myself. I often wonder if I could see her out of all the windows at once. But, turn as fast as I can, I can only see out one at a time. And though I always see her, she may be able to creep faster than I can turn. I have watched her sometimes, away off in the open country, creeping as fast as a cloud, a shadow, and a high wind. If only that top pattern could be gotten off from the under one. I mean to try it, little by little. I have found out another funny thing, but I shan't tell it this time. It does not do to trust people too much. There are only two more days to get this paper off, and I believe John is beginning to notice. I don't like the look in his eyes. And I heard him ask Jenny a lot of professional questions about me. She had a very good report to give. She said I slept a good deal in the daytime. John knows I don't sleep very well at night. For all, I'm so quiet. He asked me all sorts of questions, too, and pretended to be very loving and kind, as if I couldn't see through him. Still... I don't wonder he acts so, sleeping under this paper for three months. It only interests me, but I feel sure John and Jenny are secretly affected by it. Hurrah! This is the last day, but it is enough. John is to stay in town overnight. I won't be out until this evening. Jenny wanted to sleep with me, the sly thing, but I told her I should undoubtedly rest better for a night all alone. That was clever, for really, I wasn't alone a bit. As soon as it was moonlight and that poor thing began to crawl and shake the pattern, I got up and ran to help her. I pulled and she shook. I shook, and she pulled, and before morning, we had peeled off yards of that paper, a strip about as high as my head and half around the room. And then, when the sun came and that awful pattern began to laugh at me, I declared I would finish it today. We go away tomorrow and they are all moving my furniture down again to leave things as they were before. Jenny looked at the wall in amazement, but I told her merrily that I did it out of pure spite the vicious thing. She laughed and said she wouldn't mind doing it herself, but I must not get tired. How she betrayed herself that time. But I am here. And no person touches this paper but me. Not alive. She tried to get me out of the room. It was too patent. But I said it was so quiet and 
empty and clean now that I believed I would lie down again and sleep all I could. And not to wake me even for dinner, I would call when I woke. So now she is gone, and the servants are gone, and the things are gone, and there is nothing left but that great bedstead nailed down and the canvas mattress we found on it. We shall sleep downstairs tonight and take the boat home tomorrow. I quite enjoy the room. Now it is bare again. How those children did tear about here. This bedstead is fairly gnawed. But I must get to work. I have locked the door and thrown the key down into the front path. I don't want to go out, and I don't want to have anybody come in till John comes. I want to astonish him. I've got a rope up here that even Jenny did not find. If that woman does get out and tries to get away, I can tie her. But I forgot I could not reach far without anything to stand on. This bed will not move. I tried to lift and push it until I was lame, and then I got so angry I bit off a little piece at one corner, but it hurt my teeth. Then I peeled off all the paper that I could reach standing on the floor. It sticks horribly, and the pattern just enjoys it. All those strangled heads and bulbous eyes and waddling fungus growths just shriek with derision. I am getting angry enough to do something desperate. To jump out of the window would be an admirable exercise. But the bars are too strong even to try. Besides, I wouldn't do it. Of course not. I know well enough that a step like that is improper. It might be misconstrued. I don't like to look out of the windows even. There are so many of those creeping women, and they creep so fast. I wonder if they all come out of the wallpaper, as I did. But I am securely fastened now by my well-hidden rope. You don't get me out in the road there. I suppose I shall have to get back behind the pattern when it comes night, and that is hard. It is so pleasant to be out in this great room and creep around as I please. I don't want to go outside. I won't, even if Jenny asks me to. For outside, you have to creep on the ground, and everything is green instead of yellow. But here, I can creep smoothly on the floor, and my shoulder fits in that long smooch around the wall, so I cannot lose my way. Why, there's John at the door. It is no use, young man. You can't open it. How he does call and pound. Now he's crying for an axe. It would be a shame to break down that beautiful door. John, dear, said I in the gentlest voice. The key is down by the front steps, under a plantain leaf. That silenced him for a few moments. Then he said, 
very quietly indeed. Open the door, my darling. I can't, said I. The key is down by the front door under a plantain leaf. And then I said it again, several times, very gently and slowly, and said it so often that he had to go and see. And he got it, of course, and came in. He stopped short by the door. What is the matter? He cried. For God's sake, what are you doing? I kept on creeping just the same, but I looked at him over my shoulder. I've got out at last, said I, in spite of you and Jane, and I've pulled off most of the paper, so you can't put me back. Now, why should that man have fainted? But he did and right across my path by the wall, so that I had to creep over him every time. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mav Sky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mav Sky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and, of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.